Window World is proud to present Kevin Keatsman Has Issues. Simply the best for less at windowskansascity.com. The good news is everything is possible still for the Kansas City Chiefs. And maybe the better news is they've got about a month to figure it all out. This wild roller coaster of a team did it again in Denver, jumping out to a 27-0 lead, looking absolutely unbeatable and invincible before disaster. Three touchdowns in a little over three minutes, and all of a sudden the Chiefs were in a dogfight. They provided some of the most memorable highlights of the season. Three huge plays, any on their own, could be the most memorable play of the year. First, the flip touchdown pass to Jarek McKinnon. Unbelievable from Patrick Mahomes. Second, Willie Gay's unbelievably athletic pick six of Russell Wilson. And finally, the hit late in the game that knocked Russell Wilson out of the game because it knocked him unconscious and wobbling with a lump on his head. It was a wild day of amazing highlights, highlighted by negative plays all over the place. Patrick Mahomes, three interceptions, none of them very good. He would say after the game, he made three terrible decisions, but his teammates bailed him out. Yes, Mahomes threw for 352. He had three touchdowns. He's 10-0 and against the Denver Broncos. What more could you want? But the warning signs are everywhere with this football team that they are not currently good enough or consistent enough to win a Super Bowl. We can see it every time they play. Did they do great things? They did. Six sacks by the Chiefs' defense. Unreal. 11 quarterback hits. They swarmed, but they gave up one big play after another. The Broncos, the hapless offensive Broncos, with four touchdown passes. Russell Wilson threw for three of them and 247 before getting knocked out of the game. Maybe his best game of the year and arguably better than Mahomes on this day. Brett Rippon came in and threw a touchdown pass on a fourth down, shocking the Chiefs and keeping this game close. In the end, the Chiefs had just enough. They ran the clock out on offense. They're better than the Broncos. This was not a barometer game. This was not even supposed to be a rough-and-tumble division game. The Chiefs led 27 to nothing, and somehow they had to hold on to win this thing. Yep, there's alarms everywhere with the Chiefs. It is sloppy, it is inconsistent, and the Chiefs at times just look like they don't, well, they just don't pay attention to any details. They don't do the little things. They do the big things well. They do the great things well. They have big, giant highlight plays. They're fun. They're exciting to watch. They're all of those things. But, man, they're sloppy. They just don't seem to care. Play to play to play to be a consistent football team. Eight games in a row now, the Chiefs have a turnover. Eight in a row. And this was just flat-out ugly by Mahomes with his interceptions on Sunday. They got away with it against Denver. They will not get away with this in the playoffs. The Chiefs have always, under Andy Reid, had a positive turnover ratio. Seven years in a row, the Chiefs have had a plus turnover ratio. This year, minus five. It is the sloppiest of Andy Reid teams, and they've got a month to figure it out. The schedule's relatively easy. The Chiefs are tied for the best record in the AFC, which gets them nothing because Buffalo has the tiebreaker at 10-3. and three. The Ravens and the Bengals are both 9-4. and four. The Chiefs lose the tiebreaker to Cincinnati. We know that. Miami fell to 8-5 and five with a loss to the Chargers on Sunday night. The Chargers are 7-6 and six, along with Tennessee and the Jets. That's the way it looks in the AFC. And again, everything is possible for the Chiefs. It just doesn't feel right now like they're going to be good enough this year. They got a month to figure it out. That's the message. We'll get Stan Weber's thoughts on that, and we'll go around the league. As all the good teams won... And except for the Eagles, it wasn't really easy for anybody. Everyone in their own way struggled to win, but all the good teams won. No change in the playoff picture for the Chiefs. Stan will join us shortly. It's all brought to you by Roberts Robinson, Chevrolet Buick GMC in Excelsior Springs. Tim Trader's my guy on the showroom floor. Ask for Tim by name. And if you want to swing by there, this month they're doing a toy drive and gift card drive for the Good Samaritan Center. Bring an unopened toy for some kid this Christmas season, or bring a gift card. Buy the showroom at Roberts Robinson, 1501 Kearney Road, Excelsior Springs, Missouri, and make a difference this holiday season. Just swing right on by, or you can mail it. You can mail them a gift for the Good Samaritan Center and their toy drive and gift card donation for the holidays. 
At Roberts Robinson, Chevrolet Buick GMC, we are professional grade. Advantage Termite and Pest Control, serving the entire metro area in Kansas City for anything you need at your residence or your commercial building. For over 20 years, Advantage Termite and Pest Control has been the only pest control company we've used. Aaron and his team are the best anywhere in Kansas City. They even offer lawn care now. If you'd like to set that up for 2023, mostly just know you're doing business with a great company and you'll be pest-free at your home or business with Advantage, Termite, and Pest Control. Make the call and make the switch. 913-768-8989 online at AdvantageTPC.com. And my buddy Tim Cross and his crew at Cross Kitchens KC, online at CrossKitchensKC.com. If you'd like to see the portfolio of the type of work they do, it's all right there on their beautiful website. It's a great family-owned business in Belton, Missouri. And Tim Cross works on every single project. Meet him yourself. He'd love to come out to your home, discuss what your dream is, and see if it's attainable. Whether it's something small like replacing a countertop or refinishing the floors, or a complete remodel of a kitchen, bathroom, or man cave, Cross Kitchens KC is there for you. Improve the value of your home and the livability of your home with CrossKitchensKC.com. All right, Stan Weber's here for our football feast. We're going to spend a great deal of time on what ails the Chiefs and the rest of the league as all the good teams just keep winning. Hit it! The KK Has Issues conversation is presented by Buck Roofing, online at rbuckroofing.com. Sleep well knowing Buck Roofing fixed the roof over your head. Well, let's bring in Stan now and see what he makes of the wobbly Chiefs who just, I guess, keep winning. They're tied for the best record in the conference, but wow, there's alarms going off everywhere. Hello, Stan. How was your weekend, sir? Uh, it was a lot of fun, Kevin. Uh, it was uh, good to see the NFL. What an incredible product it is. Even when you have matchups where there are big expected differentials in the teams and where they're going to go, guess what you get? Even close games. You know, so it was a lot of fun to watch the NFL. They deliver week after week after week. And, and I got to say, in just comparing season to season, 2022 is going to be one of the top of the notch seasons, unless the playoffs surprise us, because we've seen more close games statistically than in any time in NFL history. So it's just been a great year, and it continued on for another weekend. All the good teams won, basically, in both conferences, but except for the Eagles, it wasn't really easy for any of them. How did the Chiefs turn a laugher into a nail-biter? This, this game, it was pathetic. I mean, we were all just sitting around going, is Nathaniel Hackett going to get fired after this game? Is this the end? Is this how it ends for the Denver Broncos? It was 27-0. The Chiefs were just abusing Denver. And then out of nowhere, it's a game. How did this happen? Yeah, it is interesting because on top of that, when you look at the 27 to nothing score, Willie Gay's dancing in the end zone with a touchdown interception return. And my wife happened to be walking by and I go, Denver is so bad. It's so hard for them to gain four yards even on a play. Look at this. The Chiefs have outscored them. Their defense has scored more than the offense has against the Chiefs defense. She's like, yeah, whatever, and kept walking. But um, it was just blowout city, right? I mean, 27 to nothing, and the defense has a touchdown. Russell Wilson looks as bad as he has all year long. Nathaniel Hackett, the worst coach in the NFL, is proving it once again. And then it ends up being a game that sees the Denver Broncos have the football four times at least. I know it's four. I think it was four times with the football with a chance to go take the lead. How can that possibly be? Now, do you credit the Chiefs' defense at all, Kevin, when we analyze it all? Do you credit them with stopping Denver in each of those situations and not letting Denver get that next score? You know, I don't know. That's a, that's a later discussion for us as we break things down. But, yeah, it was a heck of a surprise. Uh, division games are always harder to win. Uh, I get that. But this was just one of those cases where the magic that Patrick Mahomes gives us, including that touchdown, Another crazy throw, right? I mean, just unbelievable. He flips the ball, and McKinnon's running down the sideline uh, for a touchdown play when just a couple seconds before, he was behind the line of scrimmage. Just amazing how Patrick Mahomes does that stuff. But Patrick Mahomes turned over the football. Denver made a few plays here or there. And now I think that you have some legitimate questions as you break down Chiefs football. There's a lot of ways to look at this. But the number one way 
the number one thing is, did you win the game? Because in the NFL, you're going to have your rough, rough patches. And I know Chiefs fans aren't used to that. They've been running on a fantasy ride of a division champion after division champion, and you can get upset about your wins. But you better be careful about that, Kevin, because look at the Rams. Win a Super Bowl and be a non-factor the next year. That can happen in the NFL. So you have to look and say, Chiefs got to win at the end of the day. We'll keep that in mind. But there are some questions building. There are some clouds building off in the horizon about where the Chiefs are. Well, the balance with Patrick Mahomes has always been a tricky one, and that is you want him to go make spectacular plays because he's really good at that. But the more you want to see that and the more you live off of that, the more likely he is to turn it over. And all three of his interceptions were just forced throws. One, he didn't see the linebacker. The first one, I don't even think he saw the guy. But the other two, he's just trying to force it. He's trying to make a play. That's what he's known for. The legend keeps growing. Heck, in this game, you mentioned the McKinnon touchdown. The last touchdown pass was a Houdini act, too. He circled around in the pocket you know, basically doing a little pirouette in the pocket before throwing the touchdown pass. I mean, the guy's a miracle worker. But is there any way to kind of parse that with be careful? There's times to be a cautious quarterback because he just doesn't seem to have that in him, and he was really sloppy yesterday. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that second touchdown. Isn't it funny that uh, the first one was such an incredible throw that I almost forgot about the second one? and He's probably the only quarterback in the NFL that completes that second touchdown pass instead of taking a sack or throwing a soft ball up in the air to end up being an interception. Remember the Chiefs interception that kind of looked like that uh, late in the ball game where the Broncos threw the ball up and it was just a lollipop. And I saw a few other of those in the games around the NFL yesterday. Um, you know, I, I think, that, first of all, Patrick Mahomes has done a great job of improving his play. He's done a fantastic job for when you Think about the start of the 2021 season, the Chiefs having a losing record and people trying to replicate what Tampa Bay did against them, uh, run, playing cover two, making him throw the ball underneath, taking away Tyreek Hill, all those things, and daring Patrick Mahomes to be a passer from the pocket. He made adjustments last year and got better. He had the Cincinnati second half that was awful and you hope was an aberration. It sure appears to be, and it was bad. He played bad, didn't have his mind locked in. He wasn't confident, whatever it is. That was not the Patrick Mahomes we know. This year, in the offseason, he stepped it on up, had all the receivers come to his place in Texas, said, I'm going to take some ownership of this. Andy Reid loved it. And get these guys working. I'm going to have a multitude of receivers. I'm going to throw the ball from the pocket, take what the defense gives me, all those kind of things. He's done a very good job of that, Kevin. So we've got to start with the big theme is he's made great advances. He's a much better quarterback. And this is really going to help him over the next decade as his athletic ability you know, lessons a little bit, as, as it must for all. John Elway became a great quarterback from the pocket, and when he was a youngster, he did it like Patrick Mahomes does, moving around, doing crazy throws. But I will say this about the Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes, I propose to you, I think I mentioned to you last week, Kevin, went down a decision tree path that he has not gone down in his career. I propose to you, go back to last week in the Cincinnati Bengal game. Every time the Chiefs get upset, get focused, and say, we aren't putting up with this. Even in-game, Kevin, even in-game, when a Chiefs set their jaw and Patrick Mahomes has that emotion that very few NFL players have nowadays and is just upset and saying, we're going to go out and change things. Every time that's happened, I propose to you, it has worked in his career with the Chiefs. It didn't against the Bengals. So I think the Chiefs, when they get to a decision point where you go, hey, we're going we're gonna to focus on this game or, or we're really mad, here we go, in-game, they've always jumped onto the Audubon, if you're talking about a car. I mean, their car is going 150 miles an hour. They're mad, and they make comebacks that you cannot believe. And they're, they, Travis, Kelsey, hey, let's go. But against Cincinnati, it didn't work. Going into the game, they had a respect level. They were saying, we're going to go get those Bengals. And during the game, their emotions heated up, and it didn't work, Kevin. And the thing that I came out of that game with is, how will the Chiefs respond not just to having Cincinnati in their head, but for the first time when they try to hit the accelerator and say, we're going to go to another level, that it didn't work. How would that play in the Chiefs' mind? So that question lingers out there on one side. How did that affect them in this game? I don't know, but it's something I'm watching very closely. But I do think the new trend line that I'm going to mention is a second thing, Kevin, but go still in this question mark area. See what you think of this. 
I think the Chiefs have developed in the 2022 version of a team that needed to be better on defense to make up for Tyreek Hill not being there, be better at quarterback to make up for the fact that Tyreek is not here, and have the Chiefs win in different ways. Right now, I think the defense is becoming a question mark and becoming more like what we've seen in the past. And Patrick has improved, but I think this team has found that they're relying on Patrick Mahomes making great plays. Go back and look at the last five games, Kevin. When you and I have spoken about these games, my main analysis to you was only Patrick Mahomes could have done that. The Chiefs could have got beat today. They were not that much better than their opponent. But Patrick Mahomes willed a third and 13 play and made it on his own. I think that we love the magic of Patrick Mahomes, but Kevin, are you starting to see that the Chiefs really are not that great player after player on their 53-man roster compared to other teams except for two guys? And that's Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. Those are the only two guys, and they're starting to have, like a basketball team, they're starting to have to hit every shot. You know, they're, they're having to dribble the ball down the court, dribble over the wing, and shoot a, a jumper over a double teamer to win rather than running the offense. I'm not doom and gloom about the Chiefs yet at all, but I think they are starting to become so reliant upon Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes winning the game by themselves. It's interesting because they make plays all over the field. Guys are making plays everywhere, but there's no consistency here. This is what bothers me, Stan. Like the defense, I mean, we we can't spend enough time probably talking about turnovers. Like Andy Reid, seven years in a row, the Chiefs have had a positive turnover ratio. They're minus five this year. Okay, that's eight straight games with a turnover. Mahomes was not good turning the ball over. Travis Kelsey had the big fumble last week. The Stars are doing this. What is amazing to me about this team, Stan, is... The Chiefs got six sacks in this game. They hit the quarterback 11 times. They got two interceptions. And yet we come away thinking the defense wasn't very good. They make plays. They just can't do it play in and play out. That's the problem with this football team. There's no consistency. There's too many. I mean, I I feel like it's not just Mahomes that makes great plays, but then really bad plays. I feel like that's, that's just part of the DNA of this football team. Like everybody on this team. You know, the Chiefs make a big play, and then Frank Clark gets a personal foul for 15 yards and sets him up in a bad situation. Chris Jones had the incident earlier in the year where, you know, he was trash-talking and they lost the game uh, because of a stupid thing he did against the Colts. They just do dumb things, and I don't know why they can't stop that. Yeah, it's not clean, predictable football. Really well said. And as Chiefs fans, you need to sit down and evaluate this because it's the exact opposite of Marty Schottenheimer football. Right? I mean, Marty Schottenheimer, it was predictably solid football, down after down. Good special teams, really good defense, could count on them in, in tough situations, could count on them all game long. Offense, you knew what you were going to get, avoid turnovers. But they didn't have the spice and the explosiveness, the excellence to take it to another level and win Super Bowl championships. You know, we got to be careful what we wish for. You know, do you like the variability of it? of your popcorn just popping all over the place that the current Kansas City Chiefs have, that does give them a level that they can reach that makes the Chargers and the Raiders and Denver just shake their head. Like, they can go home and say, look at all these good things we did, and yet the Chiefs beat them game after game after game in division play. So it is a, a little bit of looseness that the, that is there. Uh, it's been part of it. I know you've commented on it a long time, Kevin about the Chiefs, just not cleaning up every little thing. Andy Reid uh, just allowing a little looseness in the program, right? And that's been part of what the Chiefs do. Uh, maybe, again, I, I like that I said compare it to Marty Schottenheimer because then you quickly have all the fans saying, I'll take what we have. Let's go. we got a chance to win the Super Bowl. It won't be easy. They're not a, exactly a predictable team. But I'll take the variability of Patrick Mahomes playing at a high level. Now, the mistakes? Patrick Mahomes rightly said after the Cincinnati game, hey, I make a lot of good plays. I get that. But I got to clean up those few bad ones. So he's got that in his mind. He understands it. That's a grown-up attitude. But can he clean it up? Against Denver, there was a little regression in there. But I think you know, he had nine targets to Kelsey, only four receptions. Kelsey's been stopped a little bit the last four or five games. He's still such a big weapon. But I think teams are going to squeeze him. Like Bill Belichick squeezes your best player. I think teams are starting to say, let's take Kelsey away. 
let's have Patrick Mahomes deliver it to nine different receivers. And all those things, you know, in the first half, you say these stats, he's already completed it to seven different guys. I mean, it's pretty amazing how they're spreading things out, how they're getting big plays, how they're scoring points. All the stats and stuff, Kevin, really lead you to believe everything's just the same as it's always been. And I'll give Andy Reid a lot of credit. He's one with a lot of different style, style quarterbacks and rosters. So I'm not down on what he can do. But I think the Chiefs are pressing a little bit with Patrick having to make exotic plays. You said it. If he doesn't make that last touchdown throw, Denver might have won the game, Kevin. Denver might have found a way to win. And they are so inept, so poorly coached, no explosive players on the roster, all these things. And it took Patrick Mahomes two exotic touchdowns to make the difference in the game. So, yeah, he threw three interceptions. But still, he's got to make such great plays all the time. And it looks like that's the scary thing for me with the Chiefs. You know, we, we could do an evaluation around the NFL. and Hopefully, we'll get a chance to talk about the NFL a little bit, Kevin. But I think you can fairly say, if we're objective and we don't live in Kansas City, that the Chiefs are now the fourth best team in the NFL. And I think you, you can start with Philadelphia deserves a lot of credit. Philadelphia, Buffalo, Cincinnati, and then maybe the Chiefs. Chiefs might be the best. But there's at least fair discussion that they might be sliding the fourth best. If their defense doesn't improve and play at a high level in critical situations, even with the good things they did in the game against Denver, and if Patrick Mahomes uh, doesn't have to play perfect football and not have any turnovers for the Chiefs to have the offense hum, I mean, look how many close games the Chiefs have played. They know how to win. They have, the, they, they have an aura about them that opponents know they're going to win the game. These are all good things. Chiefs still have a big chance of winning the Super Bowl, but it is going to be a heck of a grind uh, in the playoffs. Because I think right now, Patrick's pressing a little bit, uh, pressing knowing he's got to make the big shot. You know, I, I still think uh, Tyreek Hill not having him is a big difference. Everyone shows me the stats and says it's not. You know, who cares? But I watched the Dolphins play, and this dude might get 2,000 yards receiving for the Dolphins. So not having Tyreek Hill around has put an unbelievable amount of pressure on Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes. And having only two options instead of three helps the defense out a lot. All right, let's go around the NFL. It's presented by Joslyn's Jewelry, 95th and Antioch this holiday season. Swing into Joslyn's for something shiny. It's what she wants for Christmas, guys. Joslyn's Jewelry, 95th and Antioch, the jewelry you recommend to your friends and family. Okay, the Buffalo Bills, you know, they're – there are people out there saying the Bills are flawed as well. Now, they are the one seed right now because via the tiebreaker with the Chiefs, but Buffalo's not physical up front. They don't run the ball except for Josh Allen. Josh Allen runs the ball. He scrambles and runs it like crazy, but they've got some issues. They were, I think they were like two out of 15 yesterday on third down, just not good at all. So they, The Bills are not a perfect football team either. I, I don't want to make it sound like, oh, the Chiefs have all these problems and nobody else does. There's a month left I, I, to this regular season, and I think a lot of this is going to be which teams can shore this up? I still think the Chiefs can be the one seed. They have a very easy schedule. They could win them all four. That's probably what it will take. How do you assess the Bills' chances of staying on that one seed? I don't think if you're a Bills fan, you can feel very good about it. Uh, I think the Chiefs have a better chance of being the one seed. And, oh, by the way, the one seed is so valuable. You look at the three teams that are wild card type teams, Kevin, that are going to go on the road uh, in that first set of games are you kidding me it's Cincinnati Miami Chargers dangerous dangerous teams so getting a bye is going to be worth its weight in gold to get to the next round and that doesn't even count having the rest having home field advantage and all those things I'm just talking about the risk of playing game one uh first of all Buffalo is flawed uh if I go back and give you a quick summary of what I looked at Buffalo's development Josh Allen, nice talent, uh, you know, got to be a, a quarterback that's fun to watch. Then he improved his game and became a, a efficient passer, uh, unbelievable player. And, but Buffalo wasn't ready for prime time. They weren't used to winning in big-time situations like the Chiefs. Their coach is not Andy Reid. He's pretty new to all of this. And the Bills aren't physical on defense. Remember that game where the Chiefs just ran the ball against them that Sunday night game and just embarrassed them by running the ball, which Andy Reid never does. Then you say uh, the Bills don't have a running game. It's like seventh grade football. Josh Allen has got to do everything. Remember, I just remembered. Pat, I just said Patrick Mahomes is having to do, do too much for the Chiefs here. That's been the story of the Buffalo Bills. So last year, 
uh, at mid-year and the year before that and the year before that, I thought Buffalo has no chance to beat the Kansas City Chiefs. But what changed at the end of last year, Kevin, is they started getting Singletary in the running game. They started to have a running back who was dangerous in averaging over five yards a carry rushing the football. And then the Bills are starting to grow up, play better defense, and I thought they were ready for prime time. Chiefs knock them back. We go into this year, and now I say Buffalo. Buffalo is the team that you got to beat if you want to win the Super Bowl anywhere in the NFL. They're the best team in the NFL. But, Kevin, that all fell apart at mid-year. It all fell apart. It is so hard when you're the hunted. Think about this, Chiefs fans. The Chiefs are hunted, and every game they play, people are thrilled to be on the field with them. They're like, hey, I made it to the big time. This is different than other NFL games. They get the best of everybody, and it is so hard. People strategize in the offseason to beat you, and yet the Chiefs stay on top. This is amazing, but the Bills have they beat the Chiefs. I think they took a deep breath and said, we finally made it. We beat Kansas City. We're the best team in the NFL. And as soon as you do that and you're the hunted, you can fall. And they have not played great football. They, their running game's gone again, Kevin. It's back to Josh Allen. This is the Buffalo Bills at the beginning of last year or the year before. Their defense has a ton of injuries. They're not playing great defense right now. Buffalo's finding a way to win. Mentally, they're trying to be the stronger team. And that was an impressive win to win yesterday in the NFL. But no, they are not playing dominant football. It is hard to say that Bills are the best team in football. I can't go there. They are not the, the mean newcomer on the block that's going to knock the Chiefs off. They're not as good as the Chiefs. Play them a five-game series if it were like a baseball or a basketball, and the Chiefs win three or four of those games against Buffalo. I feel very good about the Chiefs against Buffalo, and that's why, why we can talk about why not the Chiefs winning the Super Bowl. Because the Bills are struggling, Kevin. They are running on fumes. They're trying to go off that tough mentality that Josh Allen brings and respect for the game. They've gotten better about knowing what it's like to be a great football team, and they're going to hope they can beat teams like New England and the Jets. But I think their schedule is way tougher. I think they're going to stub their toe, and I don't think the Bills are going to end up with a number one seed. I think the Chiefs are going to get it. All right, let's switch over to the NFC, where the Eagles are a machine. To me, they just look far and away better than anybody else in the NFL right now, but it's not a proven commodity. They've not done this before. This is all new for the Eagles, but, man, they look really, really, really good. Are they your favorite to win the Super Bowl right now? Yeah, if I did a power rating, um, I'm going to answer your question slightly differently because you said it so well. Um, they are the number one team in the NFL right now by power rank. Uh, this week. Now, will they be that, Kevin, when they got to make the run in the Super Bowl? That's a whole different question, right? But let's just step back for one second. And let's remember, we're talking about the NFL. And the competition in the NFL is legitimate no matter what your schedule is, Kevin. The AFC is a lot harder and all of that. But we've seen it. When a team racks up winning records like the Eagles are and do the things that the Eagles are doing, you can't write it off to say, well, they haven't proven it in the playoffs. Their coach is pretty new. You know, if he has to go against Belichick, it's going to be an embarrassment. No. You know, NFL teams that win in a regular season, Kevin, are the real deal. The Rams won the Super Bowl last year. You know, they were kind of a almost a one-year wonder in a lot of ways, and they won the Super Bowl. So, yeah, I think the you've got to respect the Eagles right now. They're, the word you said about yet to prove it in the playoffs, I'll give you that. If the, if the Eagles are lining up in the Super Bowl, against the Chiefs or the Bills or the Bengals. I'll give a slight edge to the opponent rather than the Eagles, that they may have a little bit of juice and, and confidence about playing in this environment that the Eagles are, have yet to prove. But let's be realistic. When an NFL team plays great in the regular season, they're great. Usually end of the story. Eagles are the best team in the NFL right now. The Bills aren't there. Cincinnati is hot. They've won five games in a row. Burrow for the first time ever beat Cleveland. That was a big deal. That was a division win over a team that they never beat. Remember how Cleveland romped over Cincinnati? Was that a Monday night game? That's just an embarrassment. Yeah. Kevin, the Bengals beat Cleveland when the score was tied 0-0 midway through the second quarter. They won five straight. The Bengals are dangerous. But they might not even win their division. Those first two games that they lost at the beginning of the year after the appendicitis uh, in the offseason or in fall camp, by Joe Burrow. Those things kind of haunt the Bengals right now. But the Bengals are probably 
more reliable than Buffalo right now. And the Chiefs are battling, have a lot of DNA to be a championship-level team. But Philadelphia is the best team in the NFL. I'm ready to say that They're this good. week, and I probably wouldn't have said it last week. They're good. Jalen Hurts has just kind of out of nowhere become a tremendous quarterback, too. I mean, he does so many great things for them. They're terrific. Now, there did seem to be some taking opponents lightly this week as well. And I thought the Chiefs did that, obviously, when they were up 27 nothing, I think they thought it was a romp and allowed Denver to get right back in the thing. But nothing quite like the Dallas Cowboys, who came in as a 17-and-a-half-point favorite and needed a last-second touchdown to beat the Texans and win 27-23. Uh, this was not Dallas's best day. Was it simply a case of they thought it would be easy? Kevin Keatsman, if you listen every week, and I got a lot of people that tap me on the shoulder and say, hey, I love listening to Kevin Keatsman and uh, you talk on Monday. So assuming that people are loyal listeners and listen every week, remember what Kevin did last week, smartly, okay? Because he didn't want it to be an hour and a half show. He didn't want you to have that kind of level podcast, you know. Jocelyn Jewelry, they wanted me to do an hour and a half and talk about my 35th wedding anniversary this year and all that stuff, but no. Kevin said, we're not going to talk about the Cowboys right now. We'll move on. And I said, good. Glad you said that because otherwise I would give you a great analysis of the Dallas Cowboys. And that was no one watched the Colts game. They were getting whipped by the Indianapolis Colts. Dak Prescott is off his game. Look at his face on the close-ups. He's not confident. I'm not sure his hand is okay. Uh, He is not himself. He tries. Great kid. Love what he can do, and he played awesome in that 98-yard, 11-play drive in the last seconds of the game to win this week over the Houston Texans. But uh, go back and look at the Colts game. Go back and look at the Green Bay debacle. All everyone wants to talk about is, hey, the Cowboys beat the Minnesota Vikings. They scored 50 points and creamed the Minnesota Vikings. Well, the Detroit Lions just beat up on the Minnesota Vikings, okay? The Cowboys are a fake team right now and people aren't watching the Colts whipped them for three quarters and the Cowboys set uh, the second most points in a fourth quarter ever uh, the pass rush is awesome but the Cowboys are not hitting on all cylinders they're not coached well they always overlook teams if you watch the game yesterday that was the most dead side line I'd ever seen in an NFL game Kevin there was no coaching going on did you see Dak Prescott sitting on the sideline hey wait a second most people didn't get to see this game right I guess you had to have be at a bar or have direct TV or whatever. But Dak Prescott was sitting over the sidelines by himself. No quarterback coach, no offensive coordinator over there talking to him. They were dead on the sideline and they should have lost. Only the Texans could blow the game to the Cowboys. So what are the Cowboys? Super dangerous. If the Chiefs play the Cowboys in the Super Bowl, game on. The Cowboys might win. That's how good they can be, Kevin. But they are everything – that taking things for granted, doing take you know all the bad things, dumb penalties, not respecting the opponent. But the big thing that no one's talking about is Dak Prescott's not playing well. He threw interceptions that were just awful. Uh, he's struggling right now, and the Cowboys' receiving core is not great. Therefore, the Cowboys are just a dangerous team, about seven steps behind the Philadelphia Eagles. The Eagles are real. The Cowboys are dangerous. San Francisco, buddy. Brock Purdy. Yeah. Oh, oh, I'm going the there. I'm, I'm going there because this is a okay. world-class defense. I mean, they've got a tremendous defense in San Francisco, and obviously they've had quarterback injuries and problems this year. But, you know, I, w- I want your scouting report on Brock Purdy. He obviously played in the Big 12, and you saw him play quite a bit. This is just so random and out of nowhere that he's this good. Now, I, you know, maybe it's just the beginning. He's the first guy to ever start his first game and beat Tom Brady. Seven previous quarterbacks tried to do that and failed. Brock Purdy got it done, and it wasn't close. Is this legit? Is he taking over as the starter in San Francisco? He'll be fine most of the time. But when it turns bad, it is going to be ugly, Kevin. When it turns bad, he's going to have two pick sixes, Mm. and he's going to strip for a fumble. So when the stuff hits the fan, Brock Purdy will – you know, it, it, it's like having a, a Superman uniform on or something like that. Or, you know, he's going to, you got Clark Kent coming out. So you got to love what Brock Purdy brings. I mean, this guy took Iowa State to a whole nother level. He's not scared to run the offense and make plays. This is not too big for him. The NFL is getting a look at what we saw in the Big 12. 
that Brock Purdy has it in him. He's an accurate passer. He can move in the pocket uh, well enough. And he has a little bit of magic about him. But sometimes the magic doesn't work, and then it gets very, very ugly. Uh, go back and look at a game where he came to Manhattan, Kansas, and K-State just walked over Iowa State. Uh, go back and turn that video on. That's still in there. But the 49ers are so good. The key thing that happened yesterday, this is a giant issue, Debo Samuel, one of the best players in the NFL. He, he's the second one after Tyreek Hill. These two guys are the elite guys that are different than everybody else in the NFL. He went down with an injury if you didn't watch the game. And it was hard to watch, right? I mean, Tampa was way behind. Purdy whipped Brady, okay? In a head-to-head battle, he looked better than Brady. Deserves all the credit in the world. It was awesome to see his parents crying in the stands. You know, just can't believe what happened. Um, it's a great story. And how about Skylar Thompson for K-State and Brock Purdy? Those two guys went at it, and we just thought it was a nice little college game, right? It, weren't, it wasn't for Big 12 championships and all of that. How about those two guys playing well in college and now playing in the NFL legitimately as rookies? It's incredible to see. But Debo got hurt. And I haven't heard Kevin, but if he's out for the year, I, I don't, that is a giant. That is a giant issue for the 49ers. They're calling it a high ankle sprain right now, which is not good, but it's not a season-ending type thing. At least that's where it is uh, as of Monday morning. That's where it is. Well, they got the two. They got two elite guys: Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, that allows them and a great defense. Right, the 49ers are Super Bowl ready. I said it last year down a stretch that the 49ers were a legitimate Super Bowl champion team. They were the 2019 49ers who were legitimate. The Chiefs had to come back in the fourth quarter to win. That's where they were last year at the end of the year. This year they didn't start there, but they when Garoppolo came back to be the quarterback, they found the right quarterback by accident. And here we go. They are a better version on defense. They got Christian McCaffrey. They got two guys who can get it done. They are the real deal. And that's why they whipped Tampa Bay. In the NFC, there are two teams that can win the Super Bowl, the 49ers and the Eagles. But if Debo Samuel's hurt, then I take them back a notch. They need every one of their stars on the offense. They need McCaffrey and Samuel to play to be a threat to the teams like the Chiefs, the Bills, the Bengals. Uh, so I don't know where to evaluate the Niners. Pretty amazing. This is the third quarterback that started, and the machine continue on. Congratulations, Brock Purdy. Uh, talk about exceeding expectations and proving that you're a legitimate NFL player. It is awesome. He's going to make plays. They could win a Super Bowl with Brock Purdy if everybody else is healthy. That's wow. a crazy statement I just made. I know. But they're much more reliable. No one else in the NFC is reliable. You, you, you can't. Minnesota? Do you believe in Minnesota? No. How can you? Nope. I mean, you talked about everybody winning yesterday, but they got beat by Detroit. Yeah. I don't trust Minnesota at all as a 10-win team. I just kind of push them to the side very quickly. Maybe that's unfair. Maybe they'll respond in the playoffs. But I think there's two teams. The Eagles are the best team in the NFL right now. The 49ers could beat the Eagles head-to-head if Garoppolo was quarterbacking them and their two stars on offense were with them. I would, I would trust San Francisco more than Philadelphia. How about that? I just said that. I trust San Francisco more than Philadelphia to go win a Super Bowl because of the experience they have and what they can do. But those two teams are legitimate. And the whole AFC playoff run, except for the Tennessee Titans, Tennessee is really starting to fall off. And that's who you want to play in the playoffs. Of seven teams in the playoffs, Kevin, the team that gets to play Tennessee in one of those games is going to get such an advancement. The team that gets the number one seed gets advancement. And the team that gets to play Tennessee the rough go is Buffalo, Kansas City, and Cincinnati. Some of those teams are going to have to play each other twice. And you talk about a murderer's row of trying to get to the Super Bowl. If, you have, if the Chiefs have to play both the Bengals and the Bills to prove it in the playoffs, wow. Tough. And the Chargers are dangerous. I got a funny one for you, Kevin. Today, I was watching television, local station. I won't mention which station. Local station crawl with scores along the bottom of the screen, right? You see it all the time on ESPN. Mm-hmm. Scores are scrolling across. And here is the score from the nice win by the Chargers over the Miami Dolphins. Big win last night. Good Sunday night football. I know you enjoyed it, Kevin. Yep. So Chargers beat them. Scores accurate. But it said, you know what it said on there? S-D. 
It didn't say L.A. I loved it. Someone in the local station still wrote down. Wrote down, Kevin. You and I might say it accidentally. I think I think I've made it a year now, Kevin. I think I have not said San Diego Chargers for over a year. I am so pat myself on the back. Like, how did I do that, right? I say L.A. once in a while. I usually say Chargers. Kevin, it said on the scroll, San Diego. How about that? I love it. I love the kind of tradition like that. I love it. Who was that person? You think of only young kids doing those typing. It must have been like an 80-year-old who wrote in, (laughs) okay, SD, SD over Miami. I I would just laugh. It took me a second, and the scroll was going slow enough that I confirmed it. I go, is that SD? SD over Miami. I, I, I love that. I love it. All right, let's wrap it up with this. This one's a little off the beaten path, but I thought it was a very strange week for Missouri football coach Eli Drinkwitz, who during an interview made fun of Kansas for not being in a bowl game for 15 years, and at the same time, Missouri's dodging KU and not playing them in a bowl game. Then Drinkwitz shows up at the Missouri-KU game on Saturday with a giant sign and walked through the stands, five level one violations obviously in reference to Bill Self and the violations that Kansas is, uh, uh, has committed and will we'll have to deal with here at some point from the NCAA. I don't get the man, Stan. I want to like him. I, I want this rivalry. I want there to be something there. I, I get it, and I like it when coaches say things and do things. But what a bad look to dodge the bowl game and then spend your week making fun of KU. I don't understand Eli Drinkwitz. Yeah, I think that's well said, Kevin. Uh, If I went back and took you through the run we've been over the three-plus years, Eli Drinkwitz was named the Missouri coach. And my feeling, out of complete fairness, would be just a neutral opinion. Like, okay, let's see what this guy's got. He had a very good year uh, winning the conference, winning the conference championship at App State, uh, went on the road and beat North Carolina, went on the road and beat South Carolina, uh, a good offensive mind, a young dynamic coach who looks like he can really relate to social media, the young kids, and can recruit well. Uh, Eli Drinkwitz, here we go. I was absolutely neutral, Kevin, because I don't believe any of the hype about what everyone else tells me. I'm looking for substance and points that I trust, okay? Where do I find things that I trust? So I just wait, and Eli Drinkwitz goes off to a, a start that's okay. And then you got COVID. Who can evaluate that? And you got the win over LSU. That was a nice win. But then LSU ended up being an awful team uh, in that 2020 season. So anyway, we're sitting there looking at a 500 coach. But what really changed my dynamic from still being neutral, I never went positive on Eli Drinkwitz, okay, because I'm not into the quote, a lot of stuff. The media can, can love that. And the Missouri fans can talk about his energy or his recruiting. I was looking for substance things, Kevin, that at least sparked my mind. When he went to SEC Media Days, and I can't point to the exact year that he did it, but he was a feature speaker making kind of some fun, outrageous comments, like Steve Spurrier might have done in the day, right? Who just was, everyone at SEC Media Days was talking about it, because you only have, what, four coaches come through each day, and the Media Days last a long time. He was the guy that everyone loved the interview. The energy he had, the things he said, poking at other teams, and having a cockiness about him, he was a darling of the media. And for me, that was a giant red flag. I did not like that. You had not earned on the field the opportunity to talk trash at SEC Media Days in my mind, not with Nick Saban coming in the next day. You know what I'm saying? It's just your brain is not wired the right way. You're distracted, I think. So I would generally move him down from neutral to slightly negative. Then I studied him this offseason, Kevin, and I realized, wait a second, he didn't build the App State program. He was only there once. And when I looked at the previous resume, after I studied it in detail, because K-State was getting ready to play them, right? And I go, wait a second, I don't see a lot of markers here in any of his history. You know, one of the things in his resume was he was a, uh, a, a student assistant or a helper when Cam Newton won a national championship at Auburn. You know, and I go, I don't count that. I mean, that means nothing to me. And suddenly I go, you know, Eli Drinkwitz has not really proven to be a winner. And I do not get caught up in all this recruiting stuff. I don't buy into that. He's a great recruiter. I don't, I don't buy into that at all. At the beginning of the season, the way he handled his wide receivers, I thought that was a mistake, focusing on the new recruit rather than on a superstar. Love it. Love it as transferred. I got a chance to talk to a Missouri player one-on-one that I trust. And the reports were not good, Kevin. 
coming back. So I have been generally moving my marker down about Eli Drinkwitz, below the neutral level to more step back, step back. I'm not going to write him off. I want to give him a chance. Maybe the recruits will come through. But this week, I think, Kevin, he finally grabbed a few other people's attention to some of the things that I'm concerned about. A lot of talk, a lot of cockiness. I didn't like how he was you know, cheering after the Arkansas game, just going crazy on the sideline. He did the same thing after they won against Vanderbilt. Remember that game where yeah. they barely held on against Vanderbilt? He, if he could do backflips, he would have done a back handspring yeah, it just, it across just, the field. It was so odd. It, it, watching that's the, not good reference. No, they had to win that last game to be bowl eligible, and then they celebrated like they'd won the Super Bowl, and then he starts making fun of Kansas for not being in a bowl game for 15 years and walking around with signs at the basketball game. I don't get it. It just And I really don't have a problem with him saying that about Kansas or even the sign thing but not the week you dodge playing them. I mean, the timing of it was horrible. And it also, you're down 30 points in a basketball game. It just rang hollow. The whole thing just rang hollow. Yeah, and you're sitting there, multiple years coach, and a less than 500 record. Um, yeah, I, I, do you like his recruiting? I'm, I'm not sold on the recruiting because the recruiting not only is bringing kids in their year, it's developing them, and it's also keeping them, right? Lovett was their best player. I thought this year he transferred him coming back next year. Kevin is the best recruiting coup I would have loved to see. So he, so this whole thing about, Oh, I'm a great recruiter. I don't buy into that at all. I want to see coaches who develop players, no matter who the recruits are. I don't believe the five and four and three stars. You know that Kevin, I don't think people can predict these high school players that accurately in basketball. They can, they go to prep schools, they play AAU. They do a great job in basketball saying this is a superstar coming into college. But in football, you got to gain 30 pounds. You got to play against guys your own size and you got to be a part of a football team where you're one of 30 important starters basically that play all the time. I think it's very hard. Development is the most important thing, not the stars on your recruiting resume. So I, I just don't give him a lot of credit on recruiting yet. And I see a below 500 coach who doesn't seem to read the room right. And that scares me that I'm not sure he's reading the room right with his players, pushing the right button. So we'll see. It's a big game. You know, it's a big game to beat Arkansas. Let's credit him. He needs to beat Wake Forest. They're a legitimate, feisty team, Kevin. And if he can go win that game, have a winning record, finish off the last half of the season, he may be able to to right the ship. And I, I say right the ship only because if zero was my marker on what I thought about Eli Drinkwitz, Okay, neutral. Kevin, I promise you, in any of his three years, I've never gone into the positive marks. Does that make sense? Yep. Almost everybody else yep. has. Missouri fans loved him. I've never moved positively. I've been just waiting and waiting, yep. and now I'm like a negative four. I'm a negative four. This guy's going to really end up turning Mizzou football into what they want. Yep. And I am waiting. to. I want to move back up to at least zero. But Lance Weipold? Uh, boom, positive numbers immediately. Just to give you a reference point, yep. positive numbers immediately. I don't know how high up the scale of a zero to 100 I'll go in the positive numbers for Lance Weipel. But, Kevin, the arrow is moving up, pointing up, and Eli Drinkwitz at best is neutral. And I think a few fans even realized this week, Yeah, it was weird. wait a second, what, what, what's getting this guy's head? Yeah, I mean, why does he talk trash about <laughs> – KU this week. It was a weird week. Why did he say that? If you, if you haven't been to a bowl game for 15 years, maybe this stuff matters. Well, we all know that there's a high likelihood, a probability that Mizzou or the SEC protected Missouri from having to play Kansas in football this year. And then you make fun of them? Crazy. That, that, yep. that is I, not I, good reference point, Kevin. And you know coaches have got to be yeah. out of 100 decisions, they need to be right-minded on what 95 plus to win at a high level it doesn't mean it all works but you got to be thinking clearly it's great and making great decisions to give your football team a chance it isn't the end of the world but he did have a bad week i think that's i think that's the way to look at Eli Drink would say it was a bad week it's not the end of the world go beat wake forest build your program just be wake forest and we'll forget this week i'll tell you kevin if you beat wake forest for sure i'll move him up from a minus four to a minus three and, and wait during the offseason to see if he can get back to neutral. But he's definitely not a dominant coach. The question is, is he a good coach enough to get Missouri where they they need to be? Stan, great chat as always, buddy. I really appreciate you. Thank you.
Thanks for letting me give the, the everybody a, the true opinion of the Cowboys. There's a few Cowboy fans. Oh, yeah. Okay? There are. But do not believe in that team. Do not be surprised. <laughs> and don't be surprised if they're in a battle with Jacksonville this week because it's going to happen. But I don't think the Chiefs are going to have to fight the Texans. Okay? Right. The Chiefs are going to take care of the Texans. Let's watch the Buffalo game. Lose, Buffalo, lose is what we want the rest of the way. Sounds great, buddy. Have a great week. Thanks, Kevin. Okay, bye-bye. Okay, take care. And there it is. It's everything you need to know from Stan. He's just terrific at uh, breaking down the NFL and everything going on with the Chiefs and even a little Missouri football there toward the end. Good stuff. Thank you, Stan. Appreciate you, as always. Brought to you by North Kansas City Dental online at nkcdental.com. Dr. Bill Bush is your new dentist. Call 816-471-2911 and schedule your appointment after the first of the year and make the switch to North Kansas City Dental. Back 9 Development is online at back9development.com. Custom homes, commercial properties, room additions, Back 9 Development can build and develop for you. If you have some land or you have a project and you have a thought, call TJ. He's really, really good at this. And make your dreams come true with Back 9 Development. 785-236-0161 online at back9development.com. And advanced medical imaging. Find out what's inside and do it today or tomorrow, not three weeks from now. If you need an MRI or a CT scan, many hospital chains or your insurance, your doctor will say, oh, you got to wait three weeks. We can't get you in until January now or something like that. No. Advanced medical imaging can see you. They take your insurance and they can get you in today online at medimageks.com. That's medimageks.com. Why wait? Find out what's inside at advanced medical imaging. And as always, every sponsor of KKHI is listed at thekklist.com. That's thekklist.com. If you ever want to remember who the sponsors are or when you think about holiday shopping this season or need services around your house, go to the KK List. They're all right there. It's neat. It's easy. It's free. Thekklist.com. One-stop shopping for great area conservative businesses. We love it at thekklist.com. Thanks for listening to Kevin Keatsman Has Issues, presented by Roberts Robinson Chevrolet Buick GMC. To get exclusive patrons-only podcasts, receive a weekly newsletter, and attend in-person patrons-only parties, visit kkhasissues.com and become a patron today. This has been a production of Crooked Tail Media Incorporated. Ah!